Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Human Nutrition and Lifestyle Podcast. Series three, we're in now. I welcome you all back. We're onto the new YouTube channel, which is great. And this time we get to invite Dr. Sarah Saldivar. Is that right, Sarah? Should I say that right? Good. Yeah, that's good. <laughs> and Sarah is a nutrition professor at Miami Day College. So if you could tell us a little bit about that, Sarah, what that involves and how you got involved in that. Sure. So thank you so much first for having me. Um, and yeah, I, I guess you uh, came across my content because I'm mainly recommending the carnivore diet, which is very odd given that I'm a nutrition professor <laughs> at Miami Dade College. So it all started um, really at, around puberty, which is when I started struggling with my body image and weight struggles and all that kind of stuff. And through a series of rocky years during my teenage years, I uh, eventually uh, developed a passion for health and fitness. And that led me to becoming, you know, a dietitian. So I did my bachelor's and my master's and, and became a licensed dietitian, all of those in nutrition and dietetics. And then I um, flew to Miami in 2012 and I completed my doctorate in exercise physiology and nutrition over there at the University of Miami. And then I started teaching for the University of Miami and Miami-Dade College. So right now I still teach for Miami-Dade College, um, but I'm really focused on content creation as a YouTuber first and foremost. And I guess you could say also on Instagram, um, although I don't, I always say I don't have a strategy for it, but I, I post a ton on Instagram. I should probably stop saying that, you know, it's YouTube first. It's, it's both. Um, so oh, I mean, there's so much to unpack, but, um, let's start with perhaps if we can start with, um, your training. So you, you was trained as a nutritionalist. So tell us a little mm -hmm. bit about that. What sort of training did, did you have? Yeah. So the reason that I got into nutrition is because I figured that that definitely fix any body image and weight issues that I have. And ironically, it took me further away from that because I was taking mainstream conventional nutrition, you know, and information. So it was like, very traditional it was not, nothing about functional medicine nothing about ancestral diets all those things everything other than what the academy of nutrition and dietetics was deemed a fad diet actually to this day they say basically the that the one food that made us humans is a fad diet and that they're you know frosted wheat flakes and the three cups of milk per day that's that's health <laughs> so so did you know, and, go, going through your training then, was you aware that they was perhaps no, training you um, some false information or training you different? Yeah. So here's another important piece of the whole story is that I grew up in Lebanon and it wasn't an easy upbringing and our financial um, and our financial status really was very difficult to navigate, especially around the time I became a teenager, which was like around the worst time that it could hit, <laughs> you know, our finances went downhill. And so I was always in survival mode. And when I was doing bachelor's and my master's, it was just like, just trying to survive, you know, it, I wasn't, I was, I was still trying to follow that, uh, what I was being taught and it wouldn't work obviously and it would just create even more cravings and I would just blame myself for the discipline or just you know it's I'm not making it a priority like I should right 
And, um, and it wasn't until I left Lebanon and came to Miami and I started, you know, having a better life here, became an American citizen, just, you know, no longer living in survival mode. <laughs> that is when I really was more aware as to everything that's going on and just a lot more time on my hands to do even more research than what I generally did. Because even in Lebanon, I would still do a ton of research um, like because I had acne also issues. That was the first reason why I started deviating from the mainstream because I saw every dermatologist on the planet and they put me on every drug on the planet. I did Accutane twice, birth control pills, um, antibiotics, spironolactone for two years. I mean, everything, nothing worked. Accutane actually gave me cystic acne, which I never had before for the first time in my life. So, so I went through all of the system, right? Both in getting educated in traditional academia and then in, in dealing with this health issue with and seeing dermatologists, right? Mainstream doctors. And I realized that nobody has any idea what they're talking about. <laughs> and I had to take matters into my own hands. And so I started delving into the internet. And that was around the time when the internet wasn't, it was, it was a thing, but it wasn't as populated as it is, you know, nowadays, but I still would spend hours, you know, doing the research and nerding out and buying books. And the first book that I bought was the Acne Cure by Dr. Lauren Cordain, which is, he's like the grandfather of the modern paleo movement, right? And it worked. He was talking about paleo diets and I, and it actually cleared my skin, not as much as carnivore, because I was still doing carbs in, in that. Um, Okay, so I, I'm sorry I'm rambling and I'm going all over the place. Well, hang on, hang on. Let's just go back a step a moment. Let's go back. Yeah. Because okay. I want to know the specific moment that you was obviously being trained in a certain way, the dietitian's way, every way that it's classically trained. But mm -hmm. then you had the acne and, and, and perhaps you wanted to have a better body composition at the time. So you was following your own advice, your own training. Um, yeah. It wasn't working for you. So what was the specific point that you thought, right, I'm going to have to go away, do my own research, see if I can yeah. get to the bottom of this. Because obviously, like you say, you was coming to a lot of dead ends with a lot yeah. of people giving you pills or, or dietitians giving you the wrong advice. So what actually triggered you to think, right, I'm going to go away, do my own research and, and see if I can yeah. put a nail in this acne? Oh. Doing my own research started first for the acne thing. I still didn't make this the link between, you know, the the kind of like, like that, that paleo might actually be even better, you know, for weight loss and ancestral diets. I was still just really focused on skin. And I thought I really believed that in the calories in calories out model, you know, for a very long time. And so there wasn't like one time where it was like, it all made sense. It was a series of of events that eventually culminated in me telling people just eat meat <laughs> you see so after i came to miami and um finishing up my phd just having a, a more comfortable lifestyle really applying the nutrition um thing like I, I was still going into the calories in calories out and i was actually um, preparing for a bodybuilding competition in the first couple of years here, which was like terrible timing. It was the same summer that I was going to get married and do my qualification exams where you get tested on like four years of graduate doctoral courses, just this really dumb decision to make. But I like I was doing it all at once, you know, and I was counting my calories and I was working out three hours a day at the gym. And 
eventually realize that, okay, now I'm paying attention. Everything I was taught, I'm paying attention to that really the way I'm supposed to. I'm doing everything I'm supposed to. And it's still very hard. I'm still getting headaches. I still get sick, um, you know, with the flu, which, by the way, ever since I cut out the carbs, I haven't had sickness, no flu in over nine or 10 years now, which is insane to me, right? No more headaches ever since I cut out caffeine. It's another thing. So once I started paying attention, that's when I started realizing that this stuff doesn't work. And then what would happen is that I would go into a binge, I would crash and burn, just like buy all the crap and like be really miserable and just watch podcasts, (laughs) you know, other people like how they got over this, this thing. And so every time I would have like a downturn, if you want, my way of coping with it is first binge. And while I'm binging, I'm also buying books and uh, reading documentaries and um, reading, I mean, watching documentaries and watching podcasts and educating myself on that topic, because now I feel like something needs to change. Because if I keep doing what I've been doing, obviously, it's not working. I need to find some new thing to add to what I'm doing to build to it or change what I'm doing. And so it's it, it really was a series of years where I slowly but surely came across the keto diet and I got convinced in that and the brain fog, the way like I feel a lot of people experience that the first week on a keto diet and then all of a sudden it's like the brain fog lifts and you're like, is that how everybody is all the time? And I just didn't know it. Um, and so from keto, um, I would still have keto binges and then, so, then I read the book, The Plant Paradox by Dr. Stephen Gundry where he talks about how plants have self-defense chemicals which in decades of academia, both working in academia and teaching for them. And I mean, I never came across this research. And apparently there's a whole body of research because that book is very well referenced. I mean, it's insane how many scientific articles are on this topic. Um, And so from there, then you obviously still have like, stumbles and I would binge or I would, you know, just go off the rails. (laughs) And throughout that period of time is when I learned, like dove deeper into this whole idea that a carnivore diet is actually the species specific diet, the optimal human diet. And this is what humans ate for 99.99% of their existence when we did not have any modern diseases like cancer or heart disease. And funnily, now we're trying to blame those modern diseases on an ancient food, which really is an IQ test if anybody actually believes them. I, lo- I love the way you say it there. I love the way you set it out because it's a, it's a total journey and that's what it is. I've often referred to it as a ladder. You take one step at a time and you, you work your way up the ladder. Um, but it's always yeah. that first step. It's always those first few steps that people need to sort of realize that are the most important. Your first step was potentially educating yourself, going out there, finding out what all the science was, what all the they're back into certain different kinds of nutrition were. And lots of people do start with keto, but those first days, I know you said you went up and down and all over the place with it, but those first days, I think if you can explain to people how you make the change, because lots of people will go out there and see people being carnivore, see people being keto, see people being paleo and think, well, that's all right for them, but how, how do you get there? You know, how do you do it? There's, there's plenty of people out there now yeah. who are on the standard American diet, standard uh, UK diet, full of carbs, full of processed food. How do they yeah. even begin to try yeah. out keto, paleo and carnivore? Maybe you could explain a little bit about that. 
Sure. I actually have a YouTube um, video on my channel called How to Pull Yourself Out of Food Addiction and Sugar Addiction, something like that. It's very easy to, to find it. And in it, I tell you exactly what I've done in the past to pull myself out of. Because when, you, when you're addicted or when you're following a standard American diet, in other words, you're addicted, it's very hard to take that first step. You know, that brain fog that like you, you just, it's so, so hard <laughs> to start because once you start, you start building momentum, it, it becomes so much easier. But man, that first step is the hardest thing you're ever going to do. And for me, I've done that so many times that I perfected it, and which is why I filmed that quick little video on the topic, which is basically don't go cold turkey unless you're psychologically you know yourself and you know that you do best under those circumstances because some people can do that and it's actually easier for them to do it that way you know yourself but you're if you if you're painted if you're listening to this interview and you're interested in what i have to say you probably i feel like you're you're probably similar to me in the personality in that cold turkey maybe doesn't work that well <laughs> And so you have to gradually get in there. But what I mean by gradually, I'm not talking about not seeing results. I'm talking going aggressively, but gradually at the same time. And let me explain. <laughs> so foods are addictive for two main reasons. The, sh the sugar and carbohydrate content and the um, dopamine stimulating effect of them because of so many reasons, the way that they make them they lead to a dopamine response. And it's that dopamine response that is the addictive um, kind of, it starts the whole addictive pathway, right? So there are two factors we want to target. We want to target the carbohydrate addiction and we want to target our addiction to that external dopamine source. And so for that reason, I don't recommend people cut on both things at the same time. And so this is why I recommend going on a dirty keto phase where you literally need almost no discipline because you can have a keto pizza you can have keto ice cream you can have keto cookies keto tortilla wraps i mean there's just no excuse for not doing that <laughs> right right it, it sounds very very similar to the way i try and explain it to people which is real food nutrition you know it not straight away say about the carbs and the protein and the fats because quite a lot of people don't understand what you're talking about when you start talking mm. macros and, and and micros and all kinds of things just say look target those real foods make smarter choices what i'm all about just make those smarter choices in the beginning swap out your junk food for a banana an apple you know it's, it's a smarter choice in in the right direction and then you might feel something different and like yourself aim for even better nutrition even better nutrient density with with, with meat or into paleo yeah. and dairy and things like that yeah. so that's great exactly. i love the way you put it thank you yeah it's that momentum it's all about the momentum that's what it is and when you set a goal and you accomplish that goal you get a burst of dopamine and that burst of dopamine is motivation you literally create motivation if you're gonna just wait around for a lightning strike to hit you so that you all of a sudden have this life-changing aha moment and you get motivated. It almost never happens for 99.999% of people throughout their lifetime. So you're almost guaranteed that that's never going to happen to you. 
So if you're listening to this and you're trying to wait, you know, because I, I know I used to do that, like listen to all kinds of interviews and podcasts and wait to feel to feel the energy to actually go to the gym to actually clean up my diet. It doesn't work like that. Don't wait. No one is coming to save you. And I'm going to say that again. No one is coming to save you. You're going to have to set a goal that's so realistic that you absolutely are going to accomplish it. And then once you accomplish it, that's how you create that motivation, right? Motivation is the result of taking action, not the cause. Um, and so where was I? <laughs> yeah, let's let's go back again to, to your personal journey. And you said, like, like oh. we've, we've just said about going into yeah. keto and that to start off with and making those smarter choices mm. to start off with. After exactly. that, maybe you thought, is this working for me? Is this not working for me? And then really refining it into what you want to really be aiming for your goal. Yeah, exactly. So, so do that, do that gradual transition and then you clean up the diet. So, you know, when people hear dirty keto, it's like, oh my God, but it's, it's it still has plant foods and you recommend a carnivore diet. It's like, you don't understand. <laughs> it's like, they're, they have a 100% guaranteed chance of failure if I tell them just to go on a carnivore diet right now. This is not going to happen. So I need to transition them. And when you do the dirty keto, your body detoxes that dependency on sugars and carbs and enters that fat burning state, which in and of itself gives you energy and prevents energy crashes because your blood sugar is more stable as opposed to riding that roller coaster all day long. And then okay, now we clean up the diet even more. And now we start increasing just meats and minimizing any kind of, you know, plant foods. And then you achieve eventually that um, species specific diet, that carnivore diet, and now you're, you're, you're doing it, you know, so that's what I would recommend. That's what I have done. And, um, and, and I wouldn't, necessarily tell people you know try a paleo face first kind of like what i really did i did a paleo right and then i did keto and then i eventually i did carnivore i feel like the only reason i had to go through all of those steps is because nobody was talking about carnivore joe rogan wasn't doing those podcasts back when you know when i was doing paleo and keto I, we didn't know um there were obviously some people who were doing it but it was like like so minimal you know it wasn't into the mainstream conversation so that's why it didn't even, it never occurred to me that plants at any point in time could potentially have something neg negative or detrimental to us. So, you know, for, for people now, I'm like jealous. I wish I had this information when I was 18 or 17. I mean, I would have avoided uh, uh, decades of just putting food in my body that had no business going in there, you know, and damaging my body that way. That's right. It's like you say that the more you get into it, the more you start to research things and then you find out the plants have the phytotoxins and all the different chemicals to protect themselves. It makes sense. The plants don't want to be eaten, so they have to have something to protect themselves. The animals have claws and teeth. Plants have, have chemicals, you know, so that's the way to think about it. And, and ancestrally, I'm pleased you said about ancestrally, because the further you look back into our evolution as humans, the more you can see that they prized meat and they prized organ meats and they prized all the nutrient dense foods that they could get from animals. Sure, they ate some plants, but perhaps that was more of a survival thing than, than a thriving type of thing. And, and, and there is humans yeah. nowadays who will opt for vegan diets, vegetarian diets. And the way I see it is 
at least they're looking into the nutrition and perhaps they're on that journey. Perhaps they're starting off yeah. that journey into thinking, how can I clean up my nutrition? How can I do it best? And then eventually they may find the information we've found to say, where are the nutrient dense foods? Where can I get more of the bioavailable nutrients and, yeah. and vitamins from? So when yeah. was the step, when was the time that you found out about, let's talk about bioavailability and, and nutrient density? What, what did, what triggered you onto yeah. all that? Yeah. So right after you realize that plants have toxins in them and I started noticing their effects because in the past I didn't notice them because it was never a thought that was in my mind. So if I, if I woke up and my neck is sore, I never gave it another thought that, oh, it's because of the salad that I've been eating. You know, I just thought, yeah, I just slept funny. It's funny how I, I don't sleep funny anymore ever. <laughs> right. And I don't get sore necks anymore. And, you know, aches and pains and joint pain and things like that. Like, now I pay attention to those things. And now I realize that, um, you know, that it, 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 it was the plant foods all throughout that period of time. And so that was the first major thing um, that led me to cutting out the veggies. So when once I cut out the veggies, it's you want to know, it's like, okay, well, what about nutrition? Or you're like, what about vitamin C? What about the fiber? You know, it's, it just comes as a, uh, like, natural curiosity after after you're intrigued by that topic you know something grabs your attention and now you want to implement it but but you're also scared because i mean i've been brainwashed right in traditional academia about how important it is to have my 10 servings of fruits and vegetables every day and it's probably for me it's been like so much harder than anybody else coming across this information because i I'm a trained dietitian in like mainstream traditional academia. It's like I'm as a, I'm as conservative in my education as they can get. You know, like I I got the whole thing right, and so that brainwashing is is hard to break out of, and to to all of a sudden realize that it's all been very heavily cherry picked. It's it's you you get you get to a point where it's like you're so angry and frustrated how you were manipulated you know and everybody was manipulated right because it's the food companies that are in bed with the Academy of Nutrition and Dietetics who takes all this money from the food companies because they have a ton of money and that gives the Academy of Nutrition and Dietetics lobbying power to influence the politicians because now they can force in a way like you know by grants and you know by giving them campaign money and stuff they can they can have now politicians that are going to write into law bills that would give the academy more power so that they get to say who gets to be a licensed dietitian and they get to say what is a healthy diet and what is a fad diet <laughs> you know yeah it, so, it doesn't take you much research to Huh? to find out it doesn't take you much research to to find out that yeah. it all leads back to money and there's uh, it's all yeah. about the money that's exactly. right that's right so exactly. do, you, do you teach then still what you've been taught to to your students or do you put a spin well, on it and say so i give them the basics <laughs> here's what happens i give them the basics and some basics are basics i can't you know it's like just okay carbs are broken down into simple sugars and you've got the you know complex carbohydrates and you know fiber is complex and you know starch is complex and blah 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 like the basic chemistry fine that's all 
filmed already. I've already filmed those slides and they just go over them over the weekend. And then when we actually meet, we're doing Q&A and discussion. And so it's all about wh why that's wrong, basically. And they ask me all kinds of questions like, what do you eat? And what do you think is a healthy diet? Da, 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 da. And I'm telling them everything, you know? And of course, I try not to shock them from day one. <laughs> I soften the blow. Um, but yeah, I mean, I've had, I've had students reverse, you know, psoriasis. I've had students reverse all kinds of conditions, eczema. Um, they drop weight. I had a, I had a student who dropped like 150 pounds. She reached out to me and she showed me like, and she did, she opened an Instagram account to share her transformation. And, you know, yeah, they, I'm, I'm, and I tell them, I'm so jealous of you kids. Cause I wish I had somebody when I was your age to just give me the right thing. Cause that's why I wanted to become a dietitian in the first place. I wanted to get fit and healthy and not have acne anymore, not have anxiety. That's what I wanted. And it was like, it was like the, the worst thing that I ever did because it just like pushed me away from it, you know? So it's, it's so refreshing to hear though, that you do actually tell your students and you are able to convey to them everything that yeah. you've learned and everything that you found out because I've spoke to dietitians before who have said yeah. that they're not allowed to say that if they were found that they were teaching that in their college yeah. or their school, then they would probably be kicked out or, or yeah. um, be told not to yeah, do they it. They would so. probably kick me out. Maybe they don't know yet because <laughs> it's like online yeah. teaching. <laughs> but, you know, I, you know, I'm, you know, I'm a, I'm a content creator first. Um, you know, I, the, the money that, that I, what, they pay you literally $50 an hour to be an adjunct professor. It's like, give me a break, you know, but I keep it as an income, extra income stream. And it's just, I and, and it's so, it feels so good to like teach this stuff to, to students that otherwise they would have gone down the same road that I did, you know? So I don't know I, I how think long they, I think, keep this up. Yeah, I think they can tell as well. As soon as you start <laughs> yeah. teaching them, as soon as you start telling them what you've learned, I think they really grab onto the fact of the, your own evidence and your, your own experience, what you've gone through. And they just want to copy that and they just want to go for it and say, well, if it worked for you, yeah. then I'll give it a go. At the end of the yeah. day, lots of people that you speak to and lots of people that you come into contact with, if they just gave it a go, just gave it a try. And like we yeah. said at the beginning, it's so hard yeah. to take that first step. But if you yeah. do that, if you really want your goal, whatever it be, body composition, athletic goal, whatever it is, if you really want to achieve it, then you have to make that first step. And having people like yourself around just to nudge people in the right direction. And, and that's the way to go. I'm so pleased you're, you're doing that for people. Yeah, thank you. I, I mean, I couldn't do anything else. I, I quit almost every job. <laughs> you know, I've, I'm a very like independent uh, personality. And this is why I think, you know, the social media thing is so perfect for me. Um, it's I, I'm, I'm allergic to authority. <laughs> <laughs> so it's, it, you know, I, uh, if yeah, if I, I've had I've had other universities, like I think what I was, oh, yeah, I was teaching at DeVry University for like, they asked me, for a few semesters and they were like on top of it like no this is the stuff that you yeah. must teach yeah so i literally just quit i'm like it's yeah. not worth the money yeah that's me. what i've heard from other dietitians have said that you've got to teach this you know and, and it obviously doesn't yeah. last a few minutes yeah. uh, when they find out the truth uh, but, true. but let's get yeah. into your own uh, nutrition lifestyle you mentioned you carnivore now so you went through all the different kinds of keto paleo and you've settled on carnivore and that and that seems yeah. to be working out for you so is that what you do now that you're very strict carnivore? Or... 
seven yeah. days a week or do you have I like to say fluctuations strict. there's no no i wouldn't say strict but the goal is to be strict <laughs> you know like i'll have a protein shake like right now after this interview i'm gonna go to the gym and i'm gonna take with me a protein shake which is not strict carnivore i mean it is dairy based but it's it's got you know artificial flavors and sweeteners so that wouldn't be optimal um and it depends you know if if i had you know multiple sclerosis or any kind of autoimmune condition or rheumatoid arthritis stuff like that i would definitely not even touch anything else but um because i don't i feel like uh, i lack a strong enough purpose or reason to to go even stricter even though i know that that would be better like for slowing down the aging process not having leaky gut like i can list all of those uh, reasons why it would be better but i still do it i still do those shakes but other than that yeah it's just meat eggs like later dinner to so for example this breakfast today was eggs and bacon and then i'm gonna have the shakes and then I'll have like two shakes because I have a lot of working out to do. And I'll just drink shakes in between and get them out of the way. And then I'll have another big meal, which is ground beef, um, some baby Swiss cheese. And um, I'm either going to have the ground beef and the baby Swiss cheese or I'm going to have just ground beef, some eggs and bacon. I haven't decided yet, but that's pretty much it almost every day. <laughs> Brilliant. I mean, you mentioned there that you're not 100% carnivore and you said that potentially if you was to go 100% carnivore, it would be better for you. Yeah. But I'm of the opinion that 100% anything is not better for anybody. I always aim at the 90 to 95% scale because I say to people, look, all right, nutrition and lifestyle go together. They are not individual things. So you can't have 100% lifestyle and you can't have 100% nutrition. Yes, on paper, perhaps you would be able to alleviate all kinds of different symptoms, if you, especially if you're suffering from something. And there is going to be the minority of people which it would benefit more than others. Right. But taking your, your general person with your general goal of weight loss or athletic ability, then if you can nail down that 90 to 95 percent, then I think yeah. you've smashed it you're there. Golden. You've smashed yeah. it there, yeah, because yeah. you have to. Everybody knows there are things in your lifestyle you have to go out for meals you have to meet friends you know you have to you right. sometimes have to do things that you potentially don't really want to do but if you've got the 90 yeah. percent, then you're there so yeah you're better than 99.99 percent of the people around you if you're if you're just doing 90 percent animal based i mean yeah because because a lot of people get like they freak out it's like what about seasonings can i put uh, spices and seasonings do i have to stop my coffee in the morning it's like you can still do all those things. It doesn't, you don't have to be so rigid. Now, again, if there is a clear reason for why we need to be rigid, then that that's different. And for those people, it's easier for them to not even think twice about that cup of coffee or the spice because it's like, I've got MS and I've got to figure this out. So, you know, having a strong, clear purpose can really make it easier to do a strict carnivore. But yeah, I think it's important. That's why I always shy away from saying oh strict carnivore because when i share my truth in it, it allows the people who that reach out to me to work with me as clients or as students like, everybody kind of like they relax and it's like okay i can do that you know um and and yeah like we're all even even people who are like who have hundreds and hundreds of thousands of followers that are experts on carnivore diets they're still doing 
you know, the Gatorade, they're still doing the artificial sweeteners. They're still having the piece of cake for their, you know, kid's birthday. And, you know, we, we, they're, they're not going to shout it out, out of the rooftops, but I always ask them in the interviews, you know, it's like, <laughs> when it's like, see, take a chill pill, everybody, you know, you're, you have not reversed everything, all the benefits you've received from eating, you know, 90% animal based, you know, just because you had a cake on the weekend, it's fine. The that's problem right. Yeah, that's absolutely right. Spiral. Huh? Yeah. Yeah, that's absolutely right. Yeah, you got the, the nail on the head. Yeah, I mean, if somebody's telling you that they're doing something, whatever it is in their life, 100%, they are not. They are lying to you right. because you just can't do it as human beings. We're not. I don't think we're physically right. capable of doing it. Like you say, unless you, you can maybe do it for a short period of time. And we, right. we run uh, what we do at Human Nutrition Lifestyle is we run particular reset programs, which we can do over the space of four weeks, six weeks, eight yeah. weeks, sometimes, you know, just to help people in that period of time. But you just, you cannot keep that going for a certain amount of time. That's why I call it nutrition and lifestyle, because it has yeah. to be both. You have to give a, a, a bit of both. It's the same with, um, I'd like to get your opinion on the, the grass-fed and organic type of thing, because that's really seems to be taking off at the moment. And everybody's like, well, don't eat meat if it's not grass-fed. Don't have this, this no, if it's not organic. No, no, and no. Just uh, eat any meat. I, I don't even get the organic. I don't even get the grass-fed. I just eat the Walmart meat, which is it's fine. You know, I'm doing great. I don't have soreness, da, 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 you know? So now, sure, of course, if you get grass-fed, of course, it's going to be better. If you get it organic, of course, it's going to be better. But for the amount of extra money that you would have to pay and for the headache, to source that you know i wouldn't want that to be a deterrent for anybody you know you're still gonna get 99 percent of the benefits just just get your hands on any kind of meat that you can get your hands on and you'll be fine and do you incorporate things like organ meats into your nutrition what do you incorporate organ meats like liver and oh, heart uh, and I, organ and... supplements no i don't i i i used to do organ um liver like uh chopped liver and but i would but that was when i was doing keto and i would do like a bed of sauteed caramelized onion on top to cover the taste because i hated the taste so much um and now that i don't do plants i don't do that and so just supplements you know and even that i don't think is necessary i just do it just to like top off any potential nutrient deficiencies i ever had accumulated in the past you know yeah, I think I think that's great. If you if you really can't stomach it, then there is some super. They are called supplements. I put that in air quotes. But it is real food. Now, if you find the right ones, all right. they do is they ground grind it down and See, just yeah. put it into a nice little capsule for you. Exactly, and the, they're and the not even supplements. Are, that's you, that's right. Yeah. yeah, that's true. So it's, it's still yeah. real food, and your body will still get all the nutrient density from it. So uh, my wife's one of them. Um, she just can't stomach it. She can't stomach the liver and the heart. I make it for, I make pate for me and the boys and mm. they love it, but she can't really stomach it. So we just get it. She doesn't like the taste of the pate. No, not really. I, I have made it before where I've made it really, really weak, you know, just put little bits of liver in it, which is still great. You know, you're still getting yeah. nutrient density, but it tends to be too weak for us. And then I have to make all different kind of one pot for her, one pot for her. For right. her. So instead, she just prefers to take the uh, liver supplements um, daily, you know. Yeah. So that's that's fine by me. She's, I, I'm, she's aware and we're all aware that she's still getting the nutrients that she requires. So it, and she's breastfeeding at the moment. So that's brilliant to, to, to get plenty of nutrition from those uh, into her as well. So that's great. Yeah. And um, go, go leading on then in, into your carnival type of lifestyle, you said that you go to the gym a lot and you do um, some athletics. Yes. But don't people I, say to you, or have you come across the fact yeah. that people say to you, well, you go to the gym, 
Don't you need carbs for that? Don't you need supplements for that? You don't because <laughs> um, what, what supplement would you potentially need to go to the gym? For example, give me an, give me an example. Yeah. Right? People often say energy drinks, don't they? Or like energy gels or you need, you need mm -hmm. energy bars. You need, you need these supplements to get the best out of your body. That's what you'll come across. And some people will say, I can't go to the gym without my bottle of Gatorade without my electrolyte, right. electrolyte, sugary drink. I can't do it. I'll do electrolytes. Yeah. I do that. Although I know that even if I didn't, I would still be fine. I just do it because I run a lot and I sweat a lot. And our modern water supply isn't, or and also food supply, is not as rich in minerals as our ancestors' um, supply was. And so I like just based off of that i just feel maybe it's a placebo effect i don't i'm not sure just feel like it's better when i keep my electrolyte levels higher so i'll do that but um with regards to stimulants i know how common they are commonly used they are and for me a stimulant means caffeine or something similar to that which for me also means headaches yeah. <laughs> so when I reintroduce caffeine, then that means I'm going to prepare myself for it. Every time your, your body is um, withdrawing from that last stimulant you had, you enter that withdrawal phase where now you have um, energy crashes and you have cravings for more caffeine or, or sugary foods. And for me, I would add also headaches. And so if I'm having every day, that it's like a cycle where you know there's a high after every high there's a low right it's like you go up and you crash you go up and you crash and now i just my energy levels are like constant and so it would make zero sense i'm not even ever tempted you know to go back and put any kind of caffeine in my body i haven't drank caffeine in like 10 months more than 10 months um, what, what about carbs do people say you need carbs to train have you, you heard that one when you've been at the say gym say that again what's that carbohydrates you know a lot oh, of people carbs. say oh. that you, so you can't people train. Still say I, that. see, see I, i'm an endurance athlete okay <laughs> i do triathlons so right. people will say how can you run how can you bike how can you swim without any carbohydrates okay or, or little have, carbohydrates because you because carbohydrates is not your only energy source you have an actually better energy source which is fat right now if you are completely dependent on carbohydrates all your life and then you decide to cut out carbs and run a marathon the next day yeah it's not going to happen <laughs> but what you want to do is understand how the body shifts its energy metabolism away from a dependency on sugar and towards fat-based metabolism now if you're an athlete i recommend that you do that shift in the off season. So that means taking three months and doing that shift, going keto, taking out all the carbs, allowing your body to run on fats. And the reason why it's three months is because that's the amount of time it takes for your performance level to go back up to where it was before you made that switch. The cool thing is that after those three months, so, so you started keto here, you dropped in your uh, fitness performance, it drops a little bit, and then it goes back at, at around like the two weeks, it starts to go back up again, and then it goes back up at the three months where you were. The great thing with that is that now you keep exceeding. After the three months, if you're still in keto, now your performance starts going up versus the other sugar-dependent um, peers of yours where they're still there right? But you now can last for miles and miles and just hours upon hours without having to stop 
and replenish your glycogen stores because in a ketogenic state or when you are running on fat as your main energy source, your glycogen stores are not tapped into. They're like fully preserved. There are studies that are done by the pioneers, Dr. Stephen Finney and Dr. Jeff Bullock. Um, I would highly urge you to check out the content that they put out and the studies they've done where they've looked at athletes that have been keto adapted, meaning they've done through that adaptation process and they, they measure their glycogen stores in the liver before and after an endurance event and the glycogen stores are still there. They, they didn't use them up. They're still there, um, just like they're, you know, sugary dependent um, peers. And so there are actually a lot of athletes that are using a fat-based metabolism to gain a competitive edge over the competition. And that's what I would recommend that you do because why would you want to eat the carbohydrates to give you, it's like a steroid, right? It gives you a short-term boost, but then you crash because you can only store only around like 2,000, maybe a little bit more if you're carb loading, um, calories worth of glycogen. But when you're fat, adapted, you can access up to 77,000 calories of stored energy, even in a lean frame. That's the amount of fat that you can tap into. So you can go on forever without having to stop, right? You're, you don't have crashes. Um, yeah, that's exactly that. You've just basically described what we find in, in our practice. And that's, that's it. It's just the, the main thing there in all that that you describe is actually getting the athlete to dacker off, to slow down, to stop the training whilst they're adapting. Because you know that whilst you're going through the keto process or whilst you're lowering your carbs, it is a stress on the body. It's an acute stress. And if then you try and put the exercise with it on top, it's another acute stress. So you're just putting too much stress on the body and you will fail. So like you say, you've got to dedicate the time and the off season is a really good time got to dedicate yeah. the time to to change your metabolism to make sure that you, you can operate in a different way and i'll touch on the uh, glycogen what you said as well it's not the fact that i don't believe anyway it's not the fact that you don't touch your glycogen stars it's the fact that your body always operates on a mixture of different kinds of fuels it's never just burning fat or just burning sugars it's always burning one or the other and what happens when you become fat adapted is you then rely on that fat a lot more and yes you do burn a little bit of glycogen but you've got so much more in reserve so you can then pull on it when you need to if you need a high intensity sprint or if you need to up the pace a little bit you know you've got that extra little bit in reserve and i think a lot of people need to understand that when they first come into it as athletes you're going to have that dip that yeah. you know whatever you do you're going to have to back off your training and you're going to have that dip there's no doubt yeah. about it but you will come out the other side and as you perfectly explained you will shoot through the roof afterwards which is brilliant. Exactly. I love the way that you said it. And I was just smiling all the way through that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's true. You know, this is what happened to um, Timothy Noakes, the exercise physiology um, professor. He's retired now from South Africa, one of like the most well-known researchers in the world, in our field. Um, he was doing the carb loading and he was doing the marathons. He was doing all that and, you know, teaching it at the university and applying it and thinking he's following all the dietary guidelines. And then in his forties, he gets diagnosed with type two diabetes. <laughs> and so now he's a carnivore without diabetes. So, you know, and that's another cool thing to draw attention to is like how everybody who is plant-based eventually gets to carnivore and all the symptoms go away. But I have yet to heard of one carnivore who 
had some issue and then fixed it with a plant-based diet. It has never happened. <laughs> Isn't that No, that's right. Yeah, it's never happened. I think that's great. It brings us back around to what we were saying at the start of the, the journey that you go on and the ladder process. And, and it's nice of us. And, and I hope people who are watching this realize that we respect what you're doing out there. If you are vegan, if you are vegetarian, I respect your choice there, but, but perhaps you're just starting off on your journey and we are here to help you and we're here to educate you on on maybe you can take another step maybe it'd be yeah. helpful to try something else you yeah. know so i love the way to you give you also a little bit of a warning because i wish somebody had mentioned this information to me because i was plant-based you know i thought i believed in that i had all the salads i had all the fruits i had all the beans the rice and beans and you know and it was a very plant heavy diet and it was like the worst health that I ever had, the worst health, worst acne, worst, you know, weight struggles, everything, anxiety, you know, the list goes on. So it's, it's important to, to be aware because here's the thing. A lot of people come from a standard American diet and most of the blogs, most of the influencers, most of the, like the mainstream narrative is that eat plants, right? Plant-based is the narrative that's being pushed. And so, okay, you go, you want to get healthier. A vegan diet seems very healthy or a plant-based diet. So everybody starts eating more plants. And for a lot of people, when you take out the junk and you just eat real food that doesn't have artificial sweeteners and preservatives and stuff, you're, you're going to feel better because you're also probably working out and doing all these other things. And that might work for a little period of time. And this is where people get hooked. It's like, okay, that's it, plant-based, vegan. I felt so good in those first few weeks. It's got to be the right answer. But then the barrage of plant toxins day in and day out kick in. And eventually, uh, this is why you see just the rates of autoimmune diseases diagnosed goes up tremendously after, well, for some people right away, but most people it takes like three, four, six years is, is a very common um, timeline. Um, and then they have ulcerative colitis or they have pain, gut pain every time. Um, they eat or gas and bloating. That's not normal. You should not have any gas and any bloating after any meal. Yes. That's not normal. That's the only thing this is happening is because you're eating foods humans have no business eating. And those are plant foods as opposed to your species specific diet, which is animal foods. Yeah, brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. I love the way you put it. And uh, I don't want to take up too much of your time. So I'll, I'll ask you there to perhaps share with people where they can follow you and, and follow along with your YouTube channel and, and follow you on Instagram, things like that. Sure. So it's very easy to find me. Are you, you're putting that video up, right? Yeah, or yeah, sure. Yeah, well, it, oh, okay. So up, they, yeah. you can see my name. Yeah. So it's Dr. Sarah Zaldivar with an H. It's very easy to find me anywhere, you know, YouTube, Instagram. Instagram is at Dr. Dr. Sarah with an H dot Zaldivar. Um, I do. I have all the other ones, you know, like the LinkedIn, the the Twitter, Pinterest, but I have neglected them <laughs> a lot, but they're there. Um, but mainly it's YouTube and Instagram and, and Facebook also that gets updated every day. Um, and I have my website, DrSarahZaldivar.com. Um that's where you'll find like for coaching packages um, and stuff like that. Yeah. So it's pretty fairly easy to find me. <laughs> so like you say, anybody who's curious or anybody who wants to learn a little bit more, then go check you out, go find you. It's, it's been great to talk to you today, Sarah. Thank you very much. Likewise, Matthew. Thank you so much. This has been very pleasant.